0: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 10, to 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumors, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically anything else that catches our eye. This is The Essential Apple Podcast. Yes, hello everyone, and this is the intro that I'm not going to fluff up like last week. We're back again for another Sunday afternoon recording of the Essential Apple Podcast, and we just want to give a mention to that deadly school shooting in the USA, and while we don't want to dwell on it too much, we just felt it appropriate to mention our horror and sorrow at yet another senseless tragedy. But meanwhile, we are joined by the esteemed Jeff Gamets, managing editor of the Mac Observer. So we have another podcasting internet superstar on our show, and he's also co-host of the apple context machine podcast to talk about the HomePod, white ring gate twitter killing its Matt Klein, and a whole lot more jeff how are you doing on this lovely sunday morning
0: I, I am doing wonderful and i'm so glad my alarm went off so i remembered to get up for the show
1: you wouldn't believe how many times we've been waiting for a guest going are we in the right time zone have we given them the plus one or the minus one time <laughs> uh,
0: no i get it time zones are hard
1: so, so whereabouts are you in this pl- world, then? And we'd like to ask all of our questions because it's a very British thing to do. How is the weather this morning?
0: The weather is very nice in Boulder. It's uh, it's chilly outside, but it's unseasonably warm at the same time. So, uh, I, I I'm not sure if I'm coming into spring or if I'm still in winter right now. Yeah, we have. Very and very how's gorgeous. the weather for you? Uh,
2: pretty much the same. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Jeff is uh, not. Not too bright, but not too dull either. Uh, a little bit nippy, but yes, we're in that. Is it still winter or is spring about to break? We can't quite tell at the minute.
1: You know it's be one of those shows where we're opening up talking about the weather.
0: <laughs> you know, it it could have been far worse.
1: I take that challenge, sir. Listen to next week's podcast, and I will try and find something even more mundane in talking about the weather. Excellent. Before we crack on with the show, I also like to ask our guests. Now, we're obviously all Mac fans here and Apple fans. We've got a lot of equipment. So what I'd like to ask our guests is what's your oldest and most newest bit of Apple kit that you can still use on the daily
0: basis? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, for the oldest kit that I have, I have a Mac SE that sits on a pedestal in my living room and it's still fully functional. And uh, yeah, so if, if I want, I can fire up my Mac SE and, and do whatever you do on a Mac SE.
2: <laughs> Design show graphics in Mac paint.
0: Look at that. That's right. And, uh, and I think somewhere in a box, I have enough adapters that I could get that thing on my network and, uh, and actually get it on the internet if I wanted.
2: Oh, yeah, that, that's a YouTube video waiting to happen. Yeah, you'd want uh you'd need a copy of uh, what's it, iCab? I think that's about the only developed, uh, the only developed browser that you're likely to uh, find.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. And and of course, I, I'd have to use my my current Mac to download it, that is and true. then and then, <laughs> and, well, I could probably send it through the network because I don't have a a USB floppy drive anywhere. No. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, so my my newest uh, piece of, of Apple gear, um, I, I was going to tell you it was my laptop, but that's not true, because I got my iPhone 10 and AirPods since then. Oh, wait, no, my newest piece of Apple gear is my HomePod.
1: Oh, that can lead us on. So, if, I've got to stop the conversation there. How is it? What's I, I don't know if you've done your full review over at the Mac Observer just yet. What's your first impressions? How long have you had it? Give us all the deets of it.
0: So... All right. So I got mine on release day. So that would have been um, uh, That was the as a, as of now that's actually two Fridays ago because this is a Sunday. Is that right? Yep. So it would have been on February 9th. And um, and honestly, I was a little skeptical about what I would think of the HomePod when I got it. And that's because I remember iPod HiFi. Yeah. And uh, and and I've been very pleased with my Amazon Echo, uh, like so much so that I've settled on on using the A Lady platform for my voice control in my home. That I mean that that's how much I've been enjoying that the Echo. And so when I set up the HomePod, I thought, you know, it's fine. I, we'll, we'll see how this goes, and uh, and but I'm keeping an open mind. And it turns out I really like the HomePod. It's it's been very reliable for S Lady controls uh, for my home. And the audio is is really nice. Sometimes it's a little heavy on the low end. And with the different types of music I've been testing, uh, what I found is that, that with ambient style music, the bass is like overpowering all the time. And so I'm not sure if that's because the HomePod's having a hard time figuring out how to handle the lows in those types of pieces, or if it's at the people that are creating ambient music, just have this crazy bass fetish. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But overall I've been very pleased with it. It's, it's fitting into my place nicely. I did find an interesting issue with, uh, with getting its, its self, um setup thing to work right for for getting the audio to to balance right in the room and it's the same problem dave hamilton from mackie gab found and it's that if you have an object not like not a wall but if you have an object that's too close to the home pod the home pod will interpret that to be a wall
2: ah so don't put it next to a lamp basically
0: yeah don't put it right next to a lamp you need to have at least six inches all the way around for it to to be able to to do its thing really well and i set mine on my uh on my home entertainment center right next to the sound bar for the television so it's so the sound bar is just to the left of the home pod as you're facing the tv and so i really didn't have sound in that part of the room and that's because it interpreted the edge of the home bar as a wall. So I put a stack of books underneath it to see what would happen, gave it a little shake because so it has an accelerometer. That's how it tells if it's been moved. And within a minute or two after doing that, so basically after playing one song, the whole room had sound in it.
2: I thought that was a really nice touch, actually, the shape to reset or recalibrate. Yeah. <laughs> shake, shake it. Yeah.
0: You're not i doing mean, doing it right. Like- it's it's undo for the HomePod. I mean, yeah. I, I can shake the undo on my iPhone, and now I can do it on my HomePod, too.
1: Have you, have, have you had the Sonos Play 1 at all?
0: I don't have one, but I've heard the Sonos Play 1. And, uh, and I think the Sonos Play 1 is really nice.
1: It's what I've got. So the, the obvious question here is, is it worth the significant price jump above a single Play 1? Because Sonos have obviously got this offer on it at the moment. We get two uh, ones at 50% discount or something. Anyway, you can get two Play 1s. For the price but of the, home the Pod, can't you? Mm-hmm. That's
2: basically what they're doing. They're doing a pair for the price of the Home Pod. All
0: right. So, so here's my take on that. If you are already heavily invested in your Sonos system, don't change because you've got something that works really well. If you're looking at, should I buy Sonos or HomePod, look at everything else you're doing. And if the things that you that you really want to do are the things that, that HomePod does well, okay, great, there you go. If you're looking for the things that, that you can do with Sonos, then that's the way to go. And for a lot of people, it comes down to how invested are you in Apple Music. So if if you are doing all of your your Sonos pod's a great choice. If you want to jump around between music streaming services without having to involve your iPhone or iPad in the mix, okay, maybe Sonos is the is the way to go. Um, and if you if you want a single device that that can handle multiple voice platforms, then Sonos is the way to go because it does the, the a lady today. And it's supposed to have, I have heard it's supposed to have S lady support at some point. So then you'd have, it it would be your one ring of, of intelligent speakers.
1: I didn't know that the S lady was
2: going to be coming
0: to the Sonos. That's what I've heard, but, uh, yeah, that's God. what
2: I've heard. It's not, it's not confirmed anywhere, is it? But it, it seems to be the, the smart money seems to be that Sonos will be adding.
0: Yeah. that it's, there, There's enough rumblings about this, that it, that it feels at this point, like it's more than just people with wishful thinking.
1: Oh, ah, very interesting. The one thing I've, Sort of when I use the A lady, it kind of killed the S lady for me a little bit because sure, I'd never ever used it before. And just to say, um, lady, play music or play songs of this genre or add something to my shopping list and not have that two second wait, and it only just sort of hit me because I pulled out my phone to do something with Siri. And when it goes didink, and you've got that wait. And after using the Amazon, that wait just felt like a complete eternity. After using something like the Echo, the,
0: there's there's no weight on the HomePod. When you start talking, you just keep talking, and yeah, I totally get it. The that weight that uh, actually, it, if you're if you're running a uh, at least iOS later versions of iOS ten, and certainly on iOS eleven, I have found that except on my Apple Watch, I can just talk, and and my iPhone will respond. Uh, just as the HomePod does. No pause. But um, I totally get what you're saying. I, I settled on the A-Lady platform because I didn't have to raise any device to talk. It could control every single smart home device that I have. And my place is loaded with smart home gear. and uh, And it just worked. Plus, I could stream music to it. And with, the the second generation echo, the audio quality on the speakers for casual listening was just fine. And, um, and then, and then in my bedroom, I have a, a dot with external speakers connected to it. So, you know, it wasn't like I was having audio quality issues, but man, I could do so much with, with my smart home control through that echo and, uh, and now, with the HomePod, I can do almost everything. I have uh, a couple things that don't have HomeKit support, and for those, I have to rely on the, uh, the Echo, but it's, it's at the point now, after, what, a little over a week, where instead of speaking exclusively to the A-lady at home, I talk to the, to the S-lady a lot. So they're, they're both getting some love from me. I guess I have an open relationship with, uh, with the voice platforms now.
1: It's like becoming a mormon of home automation. What sort of commands are you giving <laughs> to S-Lady? Is, is it just sort of, have you stepped outside the realms of just setting timers? Uh,
0: you know, I've set one timer the whole time I've, I've had the HomePod, and that was specifically to test uh, how that would work. Uh, I still do all my timers through the A-Lady because I can do multiple timers.
2: Yeah, that's a for some reason Apple it doesn't support multiple timers, does it? Not on the watch, not on the phone, not anywhere. Which is a bit weird.
0: It's very weird. It, it, that's something Apple needs to address, especially now that we have HomePod. So the the types of of things that I'm having the S yes Lady do for me, uh, she she plays me a lot of music. She is doing most of the smart home controls now that I need to have done. And that's because the microphones are, are better at picking up my voice at a distance than the echo and the echo is really good. So, so now when I come in my place and and when you come in my door, you go upstairs to, to my place. Um, I can talk to the S lady from my front door where, uh, without having to really yell, whereas with the A-Lady, I would have to raise my voice to make sure that I was heard. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing almost everything that I did with the A-Lady, with the S-Lady on HomePod now.
1: Good. Awesome. Also I will admit the whole home automation thing does absolutely fascinate me. And it's just a shame that Apple I don't know what to say if they drop the ball, but it just their home kit just took so so long to get off the ground. And it's only now you can go and buy a reasonable price um plug. And when I say reasonable, I'm talking about you know ten, twenty dollars, not the forty dollars that they used to be. It's um El Gato do a yeah, you know, they do a stunning range of products, but I just look mm-hmm. at the pricing and go So, yeah, if I want to just sort of be able to turn a light bulb on without using my hands like some muggle, that's
3: Mm -hmm. grossed
1: a lot of money and I, I i look at the amazon stuff and the uh, their home kitty stuff with sort of envious eyes thinking i kind of want to go down that route but i kind of just want to stick all apple but maybe that's just something i need to, need to get over and just go you know what there's going to have to be a separate system for controlling uh, this stuff that i can actually afford
0: well if, if you want to have the widest range of options at the best prices get an echo or an echo dot and control everything from there because everyone writes their their smart home support for the A Lady platform first, and then branches out from there. Um, now it may be a lot easier for you to to get into the whole smart home thing with HomeKit this spring because in iOS eleven point three, Apple is changing the way that that whole uh, HomeKit validation thing works. So you don't have to do hardware based anymore as of as a commercial manufacturer. You can do it through software. So that means that devices that are already on the market can get a software update that adds home kit support.
1: Ah, uh, yes. I do recall something about this because I have um, a light bulb by a company called LIFX. Uh, and I, oh yeah. And I was really excited because I was, a, it's one of the only Kickstarters that I've backed, which is actually delivered something. Oh, Kickstarter, you, <laughs>
2: temptuous,
0: you know, Pe- people forget. And I totally get why, because it's, it's, some of the things we see on Kickstarter are so exciting, but people forget that this is an investment in a, a, a company and not early bird pricing. And,
2: yeah, yeah. It's venture capitalism for everybody.
0: Exactly. And, the, and, but then we have the problem where companies that are already established use it as an early bird pricing yeah, scheme. Yeah,
2: that's, that's, that was um, particularly, wasn't it, the uh, pebble? Was it the pebble steel? I thought that was disgraceful.
0: How I'm that, totally with you there. How
2: that got allowed, I, I do not know. I mean, when they launched the Pebble, that was fine. I don't think anybody had a problem with that. But once well, they'd no, already made a was, success,
0: what exactly like Kickstarter was four.
2: You know, but then basically they came along and said we want to make a you know a new version and give us the money. And it was kind of like that's not what Kickstarter's for. You can go to the bank now and get a corporate loan.
0: Mhm. Yep, I am with you. Right. Yep.
2: Anyway, I think we uh, we we'll, we'll do a swift segue then, shall we, into the? <laughs> Come on, we're gonna we're gonna have to do it. We've got a couple of stories here about the home pod. While we're running on with that, one of course is the uh, White Ring Gate. Uh, <laughs> oh, you uh, know,
0: I right now it's it's very difficult for me to not say things that uh, that would offend some people. <laughs> Meaning, I I, I really want to talk like a sailor right now, but yeah. but I won't. The whole white ring thing being a being a big apple controversy. What? Holy crap! <laughs> seriously, yeah. this this is something that affects. Everything. Okay. If you, if you have something that's like a silicone based material, like the base of a speaker and you put it on, uh, on a oiled wood surface, this is what happens. That's called physics. (laughs) <laughs> and this isn't an apple thing this is an everyone thing
2: well this is a polished wood thing isn't it yeah, yeah. i it's, mean it's a cup it's, of hot it's,
1: water a cup a hot mug on a table because guess what well,
2: I, I, I i've put it down here in the notes but you know ever since i was a dot my grandmother was you know don't put anything on the dining table without using a cork back mat
0: Right. And and my grandma, she was all about, uh, you have to put a doily down. Anything that goes on the table, yeah. there's a doily under it.
2: Do a doily or enough, you know, we had coasters and cork back mats and all that, because if you put anything on a polished wooden table, you will mark it. Don't do it, people.
0: <laughs> yep. And uh, and for me, it's not a problem, and that's because you know, I, I live in Boulder, Colorado. So I live in a semi-arid climate, and and for for that handful of you that are like semi-arid, what's that? It it means it's a desert, but with a little more water. And, uh, and that means that it's very dusty here. So you don't, you don't put that, that oily waxy polish stuff on your furniture, because if you do now, everything has dust permanently stuck to it. (laughs) So, yeah. So I don't have the, the, the white ring problem with any device that I have that has that, that rubbery silicone base on it. I can just set stuff on the wood and it's fine. And that said, because my, my, Grandma was so adamant about you put something under when you know your whatever you're putting on the table I still use coasters at my at my table yeah. and I don't need to <laughs>
2: So, you know, I think maybe it's another one of those Apple perhaps should have put a label in the box that said it's not a good idea to put this directly onto a polished wood surface, but only for the hard of thinking <laughs> or people who didn't have grandmas like us, Jeff, who yeah. whacked us round the head if we attempted to put something on a polished table
0: and and maybe they should have put something in about uh, don't plug this into your car and drive with it on the dashboard. <laughs>
2: yeah, don't stick your fingers you know, in the socket, boys.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like seriously, this this is just how it works with things in general and how many how many warnings do companies need to put on their products? It's I mean, like, um, uh, do you remember a few years ago, there there was a big lawsuit in the United States where a woman sued McDonald's because she burned herself by spilling hot coffee in her lap? Yeah. And then McDonald's had to start putting warnings on their coffee cups. That's that saying, says, yeah, coffee content, is hot.
2: Contains may be hot. Oh, dear. Uh, what was the um... – <laughs> i mean it's a bit like this tide pod nonsense you know everybody knows don't eat tide pods it's not a good plan um you know
0: what if you want to eat tide pods more power to you yeah, go Matter of fact, go buy a whole box and eat them at once <laughs> yeah. seriously if if that's if if that's what you're going to do let's go ahead and clean the gene pool a little bit right now just go ahead and and chow it's, down on those tide pods
2: get on with it it's um I, I always remember the uh, – uh, do you remember the original uh, shuffle, the iPod shuffle, the one that was like a stick of gum?
0: I have one in a box somewhere. Yes, yeah. I do remember uh, that.
2: Do you remember that when they first released that on the website, they had they kept going on about, about the size of a pack of gum, and that they had a line on it saying, do not eat <laughs> – do, do, <laughs> do not eat. Do not attempt to chew your iPod Shuffle. It's not actually gum. <laughs> and I'm sure it got removed, but I'm sure it was somebody, you know, some bit of snark. Do not eat the iPod Shuffle. Ah, oh, dear. Anyway, uh, so yes, that was that was the thing. Uh, obviously, some people have pointed out that the Sonos One uh, speakers will also damage your wood. Yes, so will anything else you put on it. Thanks, Eden. yeah. But uh, slightly more interesting. Um, 9to5Mac had a story about the fact that you can actually re- detach the power cable, although they suggest that you don't actually do that.
0: I suggest you don't do that either.
2: But um, they do have a piece. If you go to the, uh, go to the link, they have a thing. If you pull it out, it's, um, it has a plug. On the inside, which I assume that it's uh, inserted through the outer casing and then um, plugged in. So it is actually mm-hmm. a replaceable cable, despite the appearance that it's hardwired in. It's apparently not actually hard- hardwired directly in.
0: Yeah, and uh, and my take on that, after after looking at how all those pieces fit together, it's not removable so that you can unplug it no, yourself. It's it's removable. removable for service
2: so that if you damage the cable by running over it with your vacuum cleaner you can have a new one
0: right or if uh if a authorized doppel service center needs to do some sort of of maintenance inside your home pod they can pull this the cord out and then they can get the the mesh cover off
2: yeah i'm, I'm pretty sure that's actually uh, i don't know if you saw that was it the i was it eye more uh, somebody did a, a tear down anyway of the i fix it I fix it. Yes, they did. Uh, they did a tear down, and they said uh, to get into it, we had to hacksaw it.
0: Yeah, which which was pretty funny. And uh, <laughs> but but later on, they're like, "Oh wait, we found where the screws are."
2: <laughs>
1: so
0: they didn't actually have to hacksaw it, but it it sure was pretty awesome that they did.
2: <laughs> yeah oh dear
0: there
1: has been one good thing at least when they've done these teardowns recently they, people it's gone oh it's only cost Apple what is it $239 to, to make it at least all the nonsense has calmed down now and people are starting to realise that oh my god Apple are making huge profits oh how can they charge so much when it costs them so little at least that seems to be a bit more quieter now as they're all waking up and going yes there's such a thing called research and development and even if you could even if you could buy the parts you wouldn't get them for that price.
0: No, of course not. No, and and this um, the the whole bomb number that uh, that these different organizations come up with, those are also estimates because Apple doesn't tell them how much they pay per per component per device. Of <laughs> course they do. So, yeah, um, but you know th- they're probably pretty accurate on that. Still, it's it's always amazed me that that people look at. That uh, that bomb number, and then they they equate that to the actual cost of producing the product.
2: (laughs) There's so much more in there, you know. There's the assembly, there's the factories, there's the logistics, there's the shipping. There's you know, just it doesn't work like that, does it? We all know, yeah.
0: R and D, all of that. Yeah. The
2: only the only people who want it to work like that are the people who want to say, but it only cost them fifty dollars.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. And then if you had that million pounds or multi million pounds to go and buy a load of stock up front, do all the legal fees, have those contracts, and then be able to get them, then go
2: ahead. Yeah, exactly. Uh yep. right. What what should we move on to next then?
1: I was gonna say, I think it's only fair we if we've got someone from the TMO, we should at least ask him about his website and a bit about it, really. Well, yeah,
2: fair enough. Yeah. Go ahead. So,
0: Matthew, all right, what do you what do you want to know?
1: How long has it been going?
0: Uh we are one of the oldest Apple related websites around. I mean we we started as Webintosh and and for those of you that have been around for, around for a really long time you're probably like holy crap that long. Uh so we've been around what tw- uh over 20 years now. I've lost count. It's we've been around longer than many countries on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah and so we of course we started with 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 just mac coverage because at the time what else was there and we've evolved as Apple has evolved, so we we cover everything that relates to Apple now, which at this point is almost anything you can imagine because Apple seems to to have uh, spread itself out and uh, and has some sort of impact or, or relationship with with almost everything on on the planet, including politics now. So so we do a lot of of analysis and we do a lot of of how to and tip type coverage you know so so that people can learn more about the products that that they're using and we we have several podcasts that we do i mean you mentioned the one that that I do on Wednesdays with Brian Chaffin Apple Context Machine I do a daily show Monday through Friday. That's called uh, Mac Observer's Daily Observations, and that that one's a, a shorter show. And what I do here's some behind the scenes for you. We we do a morning meeting with with the whole staff um, Monday through Friday, and during the morning meeting, I'm I'm listening to what we're talking about and and looking at what we've done for coverage over the past couple of days. And I find a couple things that are really interesting to me. And then right before the meeting ends, I tell two people you're on the show. And then we hop over to discord where we record the show and I tell them what the topics are. And then we run. So, so that, so whoever's on the show with me, uh, unless I'm inviting some special guest from somewhere else on, they don't know they're on the show until I tell them minutes before we we start recording and they have no idea what the topics are until I tell them minutes before we start recording. And uh, then I hit the button, we start recording, we do a show and, and I never know where it's going to go. I mean, I always have two topics ready to go, but many times we only get through one of them because we just go off in some really fascinating direction. And I can't, I just can't bring myself to stop the the topic. So, uh, John Martellaro does a, a show every week called Background Mode, where he finds interesting people from the technology industry and and science, and uh, at, uh, he, he's also interviewed some some authors, and he spends uh, some time just talking with them. And he's a great interviewer. And I'm just, I've just been loving what he's been doing with, with his background mode podcast. So, uh, and then, of course, there's Mac Geek Gap. So anyhow, we, we have uh, uh, a lot of, of really great people doing a lot of really great stuff. And, uh, and I'm so happy to get to work with all these people.
2: And Excellent. So,
1: so basically, the site then just seems like you, you're just doing something about what you feel passionate about,
0: really? A- absolutely yep if if we don't have some sort of real interest in the topic then there's not going to be a piece about it simple as that
1: i suppose now in these days it, it, it's sort of harder to get more established because there's so much noise going out there just by you just have to look at apple news and some of the horrendously horrendously clickbaity headlines that you get oh, do, mm-hmm. do you, do you think there's still room on the internet for quality? I mean, how do you how do you think you compete against and how do you still survive these days? Well, against all these you know sites that are dumping out five stories a day with huge clickbaity headlines. Do you think there's still room for serious journalism or have we just sort of gone down this 30 seconds or less route?
0: I really hope there's there's still room for serious journalism because if not, then uh, there there's not a place for me in this market anymore. And I would be really sad. Uh, I, no, I, th- I think there is still a place for content that's not clickbait. And I think that it's harder when you're writing content that isn't clickbait, because the, the whole thing with, with writing clickbait pieces is that you're trying to find a way to essentially game the, the SEO, search engine optimization system and to to just get your pieces to float higher in search results and and I totally get it because the higher you are in a in a search result list, the more likely it is that someone's going to click through to your piece so you know the the clickbait thing that that's always evolving because Google is always changing the way they're doing things with uh, with with how they rank pieces for uh for where they're going to show up in search results. And so the, the thing for sites like Mac Observer and uh, and, and and the other Apple related sites that, that are still around, so you know you know like like iMore and Nine to Five Mac and Mac Rumors, you know the, the those types of, of sites, they uh, they they're all doing the, the same sort of thing from from a, a strategic standpoint. We're all trying to find ways to present quality content. And if you're consistently providing quality content, then, then uh, you will ultimately get readers because Google is looking to see if your content is just clickbait or quality. And so it, it's it's harder to make a go of it when you're not doing clickbait, but ultimately you're giving people something much better, something that's actually useful. And you have better longevity because you, you are providing quality content that people can come back to.
2: Definitely. And a plus, of course, Jeff, uh, TMO, being long established, of course, has a, no doubt an established base. I mean, I've been following TMO for years now. I can't remember when, well, when thank I you. first came across it. But, uh, you know, it's a good site. I like it. And you have great writers, as you, you mentioned, like uh, John Martorello. Uh, I love his um, tech debris once a week yes that's a fabulous read always is where he picks out a few stories that might have slipped under the radar uh Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. yep i i love the tips that melissa holt writes because uh you know i i edit all of her tips and and it's wonderful when i open up one of her articles to start editing. And uh, and by the way, I don't have to do hardly any editing on her piece pieces. It's another reason why I just love what she does. But um, uh, every now and then I'll open one up. I'm like, holy crap, I had no idea. And I grab my iPhone and I try it or I try it on my Mac, whatever. And I just love that that she's creating these really awesome tips. And in many cases they're things that i didn't even know it's awesome
1: yep and behind the scenes can you just give us a little bit of an idea of what sort of mac apps that you use on a daily basis you mentioned discord there which is something i keep meaning to sort of drop into and have a, a play with what's some of the software that you use and you know you would sort of you know, give a recommendation to
0: okay well uh you mentioned discord we use that for recurring our podcasts and we we stopped using skype uh a, a, a few months ago now and the the reason we stopped using Skype is because the audio quality has been deteriorating and it it was to the point where listeners for daily observations were sending me comments saying can you fix your audio and you know and that's that's bad when when that's the thing that people are commenting on so uh so we switched to Discord for for our podcasting and and I use audio hijack And loopback and Farago for uh, uh, the rest of the podcasting setup.
2: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
0: Yeah, and and it's wonderful. And then we use Slack for our uh, our uh, chat room, and that's that's worked out wonderfully. And then as far as what people write in that's one place where i haven't felt comfortable standardizing because everyone has the tool that's best for them for writing and so i do all my writing in bb edit and uh, and just love it and then uh uh, let's see what else are, are we using on a on a daily basis um those are the big things right there where we've really standardized.
2: Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, no, excellent. We use Slack as
1: well. I just wish there was an easier way that there was to invite people into the chat room. So instead of them having to get in contact with you and then you adding them, if there was like a, a nicer portally sort of system. But Slack is what it is.
0: It, it is. Yes, That that's absolutely true. Yep. And yep, you're right. That That's the one thing that uh, that can kind of slow things down where where instead of just being able to say hey you come join this you have to say hey you tell me who you are so i can invite you to come join this
2: yeah uh, i guess that's from its its roots because obviously originally it's a, a work team kind of thing you
0: can That's a good point.
2: You can Uh, auto join. But if you look that up to enable that option, everybody has to come from the same domain. So Mm -hmm. like for uh, obviously for you, Jeff, you you could say um, if you have an at macobserver.com domain, you can join automatically. But obviously for us, when we're talking about inviting listeners in, that's no good because obviously everybody's wherever.
0: Right. And, uh, and I think you're right. I think it, it, it goes back to Slack's original intent, which is to be really a business tool.
2: Yeah, very much so. It's you know, it's one of these things. I think, like so many businesses, where they've they've thrown it open for free to people who want to use it. Um, but that's that's really just for many people. That's that's just like their lost leader. That's just to tempt people into it, and. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if they get comfortable with it, then they go to their boss and say, "We've got this really great tool, and why don't we use it at work?" And then they sign up for a business plan. So
0: right, I and the, that. yeah, but that, that's a really great business model because it works.
2: Yeah, yeah, and uh, right. lots of lots of companies do that. I mean, Wire, which we're using now, is completely free and open source and available to everybody. But that's um, as a business, you know, they're making their money from uh, selling business plans. Yeah, and we,
1: and we love Wire, even though it, it. And it's been it's been good because we've just been we've been the answer critical about Wire as we have praised it because we are we have had issues, but it's been nice that they've been small enough, relatively speaking, to be able to be agile and fix things and address any issues on like a, a very very swift and regular basis. Um, I love Slack, and but you try and get where I work, you try and explain Slack to people to say, look, if you have Slack, you can pretty much say goodbye to emails, and you go, what do you I make the mistake of saying, imagine it's like a text message chat room with real-time emails. Oh, so it's a chat room. And they instantly get hung up on this thing of, oh, all they're going to do is spend time chatting and not doing any work. And I yeah,
0: say, or they think, I've already got messages or Facebook Messenger. Why, why do I need Slack?
1: Yep. That's exactly it. And you go, well, hang on a sec. Isn't emailing just a slower way of text messaging? It just takes up more of your time. You probably spend more time dealing with emails and replying to them than you actually do getting stuff done. But then I'm just a crazy IT guy with weird notions of trying new software, sat in the corner, waiting for someone to acknowledge me. I'm not bitter, though, Jeff. It's got to be said, I'm not bitter about it at all.
0: Well, that's good. I'm glad you can have a, a healthy perspective on this.
1: Oh, yeah. It's just a healthy... Is perspective of just waiting for those moments where I get to say, I told you so, and then I have a little smug song and go and make a good old-fashioned cup of tea.
3: Right,
2: yes. mm-hmm. And talking of a cup of tea, why don't we uh, go over to Nemo's hardware store while we all refresh ourselves with a new uh, beverage.
3: We received some beautiful wool, and leather sleeves and cases that I want to tell you about in this week's Nemo's Hardware Store. The company is from Sweden. Website is WoolnutCovers.com. W-O-O-L-N-U-T-C-O-V-E-R-S. WoolnutCovers.com. They're the MacBook leather sleeves. Price in euros runs from 60 euros on up. That's the cost for the 12-inch MacBook. Then you've got 68 euros for the 13-inch Air 68 euros for the 13-inch MacBook Pro, then 76 euros for the 15-inch MacBook Pro. The finishes are in cognac, which is the one we received. It's a beautiful medium brown, just gorgeous. Then there's a black. Some of them are currently out of stock, and the company is going to do everything they can to get those back in stock because they know these are beautiful products. They are designed specifically for each MacBook Pro. So, for instance... If you have the Touch Bar MacBook Pro, the 15, you'll have to get that specific sleeve because the sleeve is so specifically fit and designed that your MacBook Pro will slide right in. It's beautiful leather on the outside, just two pieces of leather, heavily stitched, but gorgeous leather with wool lining on the inside, beautiful thick mat of wool. And that is it, leather, wool, and stitching, gorgeous, simple Elegant, classy, no one you know will have ever seen anything like it when you slip your 15-inch touch bar MacBook Pro out of your cognac cover or your 13-inch retina MacBook Pro out of your black wool and leather cover from WalnutCovers.com, These are great gifts for other people. Premium, premium products for your premium computers. They also make cases rear and side cases for the iPhone 7 and 8 and 7 plus and 8 plus and again they're in black or in cognac so a very limited line with beautiful leather material and on the iPhone cases there's two little slots in the back so you can put a wallet a credit card ID bus pass a little bit of money it's a relatively straightforward case there's nothing as extraordinary about the iPhone case as there is about those amazing MacBook and MacBook Pro covers. The cases are 24 euros for the standard size and 28 euros for the large size. For my money, I'd rather put it toward that amazing thick leather and wool sleeve. Check them out at woolnutcovers.com. Nice job from the new company in Sweden. Here's a heads up on a product I'm reviewing Coming up in a week or so at mymac.com. Company is One More. Now, here in the US, it's called USA.OneMore.com. The number one M O R E. You'll have to look that up because we'll do the best to find the links, the international links. These are premium headphones, the One More Triple Driver Over Ear headphones. I'm going to do a detailed written review at mymac.com. Just want to alert you that this is also really worth. Saving up for. They're attractively styled, they're comfortable, they've got a really great presence, a punchy, a real wow sound that just grabs you. Outstanding, especially for popular music. The new One More Triple Driver over ear headphones, $250 in the US. So check out that review coming up at mymac.com and thanks to usa.onemore.com and to Woolnut Covers for providing these excellent products for our analysis here at Nemos hardware store back next week
1: oh, so what's the rest of recipe suddenly gonna be uh, afternoon gonna be up having store for you that Jeff
0: well um at at some point I'm going to be hanging out for a little while with with uh, my girlfriend which will be nice um and uh, she she has a place where she's been able to convert uh, part of her place into an art studio and it's finally done. So we're going to play in her art studio for a little bit. And then I'm probably going to spend a crazy amount of time working on my HomePod review because doing a review on a product like that, where you give it like two days and then write about it, that just doesn't, that doesn't cut it
1: no and and, and that's uh, that's always the ethos i've had I mean, admittedly i haven't done any reviews in a very 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 long time uh and i always like to try and review the product is how you're supposed to use them out in the field mm-hmm. and i always got because it would take me so long to write a good review i never end up publishing half those. so i would go well is it still relevant however i do have a story that is relevant from a review that i wrote back in 2011 and mm-hmm. it's come to fruition Awesome. I would say you've got two iPads.
0: Yes, three. Damn! I I have uh, an, an iPad mini, which I love. And then I have the the 10.5-inch and 12.9-inch iPad Pro.
1: Do you think the Mini was basically uh, the sort of product where Apple had to release it because if they didn't, they were doomed? Do you think they just reacted to a particular market, or do you think they actually wanted to be in it, or was it just a cash grab?
0: I I, I think it was part of their normal product strategy where they start at the high-end, saturate, move to the medium uh, level saturate and then move to the low end, but even still, with the iPad Mini, it's not really low end. It's yeah. it, it was just smaller size, and I and I think they saw uh, a valid market for that size, so they released it, and then. Uh, I guess ultimately they weren't making enough money off of that model to continue making it, which is too bad because I I would love, absolutely love to have a brand new modern iPad mini. I, mean, I have the most recent version, which was that the iPad mini four. Is yeah, that right?
2: I think that was the last one they did. Wasn't
0: it? Yeah. So whatever the last one was that they made. And I love that thing. It's, it's my it's my uh ebook reader it's my keep it handy when i need to do some sort of like apple tv control and it's like it's like my go to for just so many different things and then the larger size ipads are like my my portable work systems which is funny to say because i have a touch bar macbook pro right here which is also my <laughs> portable work system
1: uh, I I I love the iPad. I don't love the uh that keyboard that came with the original iPad Pro. It's just too scratchy for me. It's...
0: You know, it's fascinating because uh some people are cool with the keyboard and some people are not. I bought the keyboard that the smart cover keyboard and um I've been I've been very pleased with it actually. But but I know that it's a very polarizing keyboard. You either really like it or you don't.
2: Yeah, that's what I've heard. People either really think it's great or they hate it. Um, my wife had a surprisingly good little keyboard for hers uh, by a company I think it's called TechNet. Cost about okay. Cost about fifteen pounds. Um, yeah, brilliant little thing. You know, there we go.
0: Oh, um, I was okay. I was going to say that Brian and I we've had arguments about Apple Smart Keyboard for the iPad. And uh, and he dislikes it so much that when I tell him I use it productively for serious writing all the time, he tells me, no, you don't because he <laughs> hates the keyboard so much he refuses to believe that you can that, get on with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that I can use it in a very serious way. And it's funny because, I mean, he said more than once when I tell him this is how I use it, he goes, no, you don't.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh Brian, the master of titles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he is. It's the
1: lack of app support that gets me. Because we use, um, so in one of my little ventures, I use Quip, which on the Mac is really, really nice, really responsive. All uh, It's got a few flaws, you know, like every app has. However, on the iPad, you can't use the cursor keys. And it's so, so hard work. You're typing in some numbers, then you reach up and touch the screen. And then you go back down to do more typing. huh. I still haven't worked out in Quip how you select a range of cells. It just seems to be impossible. In Quip? The big, uh, in, yeah, on, on iOS,
2: yes. Spreadsheet. Well, Quip, Quip's on show notes.
1: Yeah, but that's not a spreadsheet. you got the Quip spreadsheet thingy where you go and, you go and
2: create spreadsheets. Oh, well, I've, I've never used a spreadsheet in Quip. Yeah. No, I use yeah, numbers for that, but.
1: But then that's the thing. So you end up having this little, lovely little ecosystem of Quip where, you know, on my other projects, you know, I've got all my notes and all my quotes and invoices and stuff like that, only to then say, all right, we all we have to change this now to go and work in numbers because Quip doesn't support keyboard support.
2: Yeah, well, Quip, I, I like Quip a lot, but Quip on iOS is a bit sucky. I'm sorry, it just is. Yeah. <clears throat> Full stop.
1: And plus, Quip on iOS doesn't support multiple currencies. It only supports dollars. Does it? Oh. There you go. Okay. So we won't keep you much longer, Jeff. We'll just do a few Apple stories. I okay.
2: Um,
1: the Facebook thing about privacy, has that caught you right at all this week?
0: Of course it has. And th- the whole thing with, with the Facebook privacy thing. Okay. Your privacy with Facebook is always more of a, um, a dream than a reality. Because Facebook is not designed for your privacy um and so anytime anything new comes up about, about facebook the the knee jerk reaction we get from everyone is well okay so so Facebook once again has found a new way to ruin our privacy and uh and they're a viable- vile horrible company and uh and all these things may be true depending on your perspective. Um, but to expect that um, that this new service thing they're doing they' it's i guess it's kind of a vpN thing sort of thing that that's how i'm interpreting it yeah,
2: as, yeah. As, as, that's how i interpreted it and yeah. um
1: it's it... it's a company called onarvo which is a company i have had a grudge against since 2011 because one story that i did write was way back in 2011 when the gadget show on british tv over here which is basically nothing more than paid for product placements said about mm-hmm. we new app that will save you data and basically what it does you install onarvo which is an app it then installs an APN access point name or node or whatever and all of your traffic goes through there and in exchange for that traffic just in exchange for going through them for a free serve for a free service Your images get compressed, your HTML gets minified, CSS gets truncated, all that sort of stuff. And you think, brilliant, a service that's going to save me data. Because I know in America, they are a little bit stingy with their data plans.
0: Oh boy, howdy. Yep.
1: And then I read the terms and conditions. And basically, long story short, whatever you do, whatever you see, they will track it and they will sell those results on to almost anybody
2: who wants it.
0: Yeah. And and that's the service that facebook is using
2: yeah and i'm pretty sure that we've covered something similar uh before but yes it is a vpn but as when we've talked about vpns on this show before um uh like when we had sim from from wire on as he said you know the thing with a VPN is you've got to be sure that the company, just because they're putting your stuff in a tunnel and stopping anybody else getting at it, you need to make sure that the company you're using aren't actually siphoning off that data and selling it themselves. Which exactly. Is, which is, of course, what, um, what happened with Hotspot Shield. Now, I, I, never found, uh, I never found out in the end whether they'd been accused of doing that and they strenuously denied it. Um, But I never did find out, as is the way of so many stories, what the outcome of that was, whether they were uh, vindicated or whether they just kind of managed to sweep it under the rug because they're still going. Um, And when I used them, I found them to be a very good service. But uh, when it was said that they were doing such a thing, I stopped using them. I used... TunnelBear, and I use, mm-hmm. uh, I use the uh, Proton VPN as well.
0: I, I use TunnelBear all the time. And you know what? You just hit on the, the big thing out of this. If, if a company is in a position where you don't feel like you can fully trust them with your data anyhow, then why would you trust them to make that more secure for you? If, if you really want VPN protection, get a real VPN service and uh, And, like I said, I'm using Tunnel Bear, and I've been very happy with that so when when I'm out and and about on public networks I, it doesn't matter what device I'm on; I fire up Tunnel Bear and then do my thing, and I'm feeling pretty comfortable with that but man i I wouldn't want to trust Facebook with this no. I wouldn't.
2: I don't have any truck with Facebook, full stop. I'm not on Facebook, and uh, I have nothing to do with them. But that's a whole different story. But uh, TunnelBear, of course, one of their big one of their big things, uh, and all props to them, is of course that they had um, an external security uh, audit and made the results public.
0: Yeah, th- that's. That was fantastic. I love that they did that. And it's one of the things that made me feel uh, more comfortable about using them. Not, not that I was leery, but when you're looking at a VPN service, uh, so many of them, how, how do you tell them apart?
2: And, you know, I'm always wary of these ones which show up all the time, you know, get a lifetime VPN protection for just $50, you know, special. Oh, those
1: are the ones that scare me. Yeah, you're know, like,
2: oh, yeah, really? So if you're going to give me a lifetime of uh, VPN for so little money, how are you making it? You're Rob, you're siphoning off my data and selling it, in which case you're not actually providing me what I would consider a proper VPN.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just yeah. reading the Inavo privacy policy. Sorry to jump in there, Jeff.
0: Oh, uh, no. Nope. Jump in, please.
1: It's analyze in one of the, it literally go to Inavo, a uh, sorry, O-N-A-V-O dot com slash privacy underscore policy. And one of them, it says, analyze how you use your applications and data. For example, we may combine the information, including personally identifying information that you provide for your use of services with information about you that we receive from our affiliates, through party for business analytic advertising and other purposes despite at the top them saying we don't actually have any personifiable identifying information and what i really want to know is with gdpr coming into the uk how are these guys going to get away with it i don't know if you know about the gdpr um i don't know if it's crossed your radar over there jeff
0: A little bit, but I don't know if I fully understand it. So fill me in.
1: Nobody does, because long story short, it's any personifiable, personally identifiable information has to be declared. And if you have anything that is person that identifies a person. So you could do a study about me and say I'm 18. You could do a second study and find out my last name. All of a sudden, you've got identifying information that then by law, if I was to write into anyone, I have a right to know everything that could Stores about. However, the main crux is that it has to be stored within the EU. You're not allowed to let data outside of this massive sort of ring fence that we have. That's a very, huh. very, um, I know there's people screaming at me going, oh no, it's more complex than that. I know I have to deal with it in work, but that's the most layman's term that I can get. So if these people here are letting uh, an app hit an app store that's going to have my information, I wonder how they're going to get away with it. But their businesses, of course, they're going to find a loophole. Uh, of well, I will. think you'll
2: find, Mark, that the GDPR rules, uh, a lot of them hinge on unless you have the recipient's permission. So by the very fact that you have signed up to that service and it says, we, you know, by using this, you agree to us having... you siphoning off your data you've just signed away your gdp All right
1: ah that's the one it's a bit like the um the whole cookie thing where you had to put a cookie on your website to say by the way we use cookies mm. and that worked really well
2: <laughs> well obviously at work we've you know we don't have a great deal of data but we do have for example we do process um sometimes credit card payments so that falls under GDPR we have to um, we're going to have to get people to basically sign to say it's all right for us to hold their uh, information about their credit card for 30 days until the payment is um, processed and then that we will destroy it so
1: (laughs) I remember once uh, way back in my computer hardware days I was dealing with a, a company in Milton Keynes selling computer cases and on my invoice I got it was some numbers and it was for Four, 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 you know, block four rows of four numbers. And then at the bottom of the page, on this same page, it was like the expiry date in the CVV. <laughs> so this guy had written down someone's credit card details onto a bit of paper. That reminds me, I've lost my debit card with contactless. I must go in and find that. Anyway, let's go back to some Apple news. I'm um, Sorry, Jeff, did you, have a th- did you have a thought there you wanted to finish off before I jumped in with my enthusiasm?
0: No, I'm just kind of amazed that someone thought it was okay to write down someone's credit card number. <laughs> on paper like
2: that. <laughs> and stick oh. it in a case, yeah. Yeah. I've seen yeah. things that I can't unsee. Oh,
1: dear. Yeah. It, it's still the, the whole contactless thing still bothers me around here because i love apple pay or slash contactless pay if i the only reason i carry a debit card now is for a backup in case uh well actually i never leave the house unless I've, I've basically i've always got a device with enough battery power to pay for something but it's these places that don't take a debit card and you wonder why and you think yeah that's probably for the best actually because you're just dealing in cash i've just worked today
0: <laughs> there you go there you go go
2: mark
1: uh facebook oh so um actually jeff one quick question about tunnel bear and you have to excuse my lack of vpn knowledge here because it's something that i've only just started taking an interest in so let's let me give you a scenario If you're in work, and work have these lovely, lovely systems where they can monitor all the websites that you've been to, they record the URL. If you're on a VPN, it doesn't stop them seeing what sites you've gone to. It just stops the traffic being intercepted. Would that be a fair assessment?
0: Well, what you'll see on your local network for everything you're monitoring is an encrypted stream from the the computer you're looking at because uh, part part of the what the VPN is doing for you is protecting your data on the network. So so you have an encrypted stream between your device, so in this case we'll say my laptop while I'm sitting in a coffee shop to the VPN host and then that way anyone that's sitting in the coffee shop or in your case at at, at your work they can't see what's happening in my specific data stream in and out so, so anything that would otherwise be plain text is now encrypted.
1: Right. So it won't. So they can still see the site that you're going to. No. as in no, no, they can't no.
2: no, no, no. All they will, if they can see anything, it will be your initial connection to the tunnelbear server. Right. After that. So, they, so nothing.
1: if I so if I give you the scenario, then I'm thinking of ju- it's just because I've gotten so paranoid in work. To be honest, it's got to that state, that totalitarian state. I'm not doing mm-hmm. anything wrong. It's just you know what I'm going to play this game. So if I'm in work, I fire up a VPN and I say go to MacObserver.com in my, when I've established a VPN. They mm-hmm. won't see that I visited um, MacObserver. They will just see oh look, Mark's phone is using data. Yeah. Yes. That's all they'll see. And it's guess like what I'm doing noise. after the show? I am <laughs> signing up for TunnelBear.
2: It, all anybody will see effectively from your phone or your laptop is white noise going out.
1: I also, yep. need, and I also to be to, in the interest of fairness, I also do need Need to give a shout out to NordVPN who were kind enough to give me a review that I haven't finished off yet. So there's TunnelBear which I think uh, is almost a standard now in a way, uh, and there is Nord N O R D VPN that's worth checking out as well. Very good. See that was almost editorial news. We almost <laughs> scratched the one percent of quality. <laughs> Observer has.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> oh,
1: and you know what? That actually means like we've had a, do- would you believe that our pokey little podcast last week had Bob Gager from Adobe on the show?
0: That's <laughs> awesome.
1: Uh, we've also had porkafassus. That was a good one. Apart from Paul the, is great. Somewhere on my hard drive. There is a lost file where we had a really good chat about your app would be great. If only had, if it had this feature and I was going to release it as a Christmas special, but I couldn't find the app. So hopefully one day. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll do one more story then, shall we? Because we have been going
2: on for quite a bit. All Again, right. um, um, We have got – yeah, okay. Well, there's a couple of – we've got some worth of chirps, though, so I want to put those All in. right.
1: Well, we'll do one more story then. Uh, Twitter discontinues its Mac desktop app, app after years of spotty support. Yeah, boom. 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 Uh, um, Twitterific, though, is down from – what was it? $29 to $7.99? 19 uh, to seven
2: ninety nine. I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that your Twitter application of choice there, Jeff?
0: You know, I've been a, um, actually, which which am I using primarily? Twitter if, oh wait, no, TweetBot. I use TweetBot almost all the time. And I've been, and I did that because um, you know, there there was a window of time where Twitterific was uh, not really being supported and I needed newer features that just weren't available there. So I switched over to Tweetbot, and then uh, and and then I standardized across macOS and iOS with that. But then, when when um, the Icon Factory guys did a Kickstarter to make a new version of Twitterific, I totally signed up for that. So what I'm doing right now is running Twitterific and Tweetbot side by side, and um, uh, and the reason I'm I'm running two really it comes down to inertia because. I, I've been using TweetBot for so long now across all my devices that doing this whole scale jump over to Twitterific, it's just not happening right now. But it's awesome. I, I really love the, the new Twitterific on the Mac.
1: I'm tempted to give it a try just purely because it's just been reduced so much. Um, I don't really tweet that much. I should get back into it. Then again, I say that about all my social media stuff. And then I look outside my window and go, look, there's life outside the computer screen. I've got really bad one to be in front of my computer screen. And I shouldn't really be saying that on a podcast with a, a dedicated writer on the show.
0: Uh, no, I totally get it. I, I make a point to step away from my computer. And uh, and go do things where where there's a sky instead of a roof over my head.
1: I will. Yeah. I mean, the just recently I've been doing a lot of outdoor work. And you know what? I've enjoyed it so much. And it means that when I come back to my Mac, is like I'm excited to be finding new applications again and all that sort of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. I totally get it.
1: Uh, right. We will do a few worth of chirps then. Simon, do you want to play the sound clip if we've got it?
2: Uh, I don't have that one, I'm afraid.
1: There we are. That's an edit point then. <laughs> so, yes, we've got a few worth of chirps. Um, so, we've got Mac Jim from our chat room. He sent us a link for the 12, 12 South Surface Pad for the iPhone. $50 US. This is one of those. It's a, it's a really nice case
2: for the iPhone. It, 10. It's a kind of leather wallet folio um, case uh it's from twelve South who of course uh john has featured several times previously uh and yes it, it it's a very nice looking uh, leather wallet case I mean... uh it's also by the way i did look this up if you uh it's fifty dollars u s uh you can get the one for the ten via Amazon uh, it's about £50 in the UK um, and they're also uh, via Amazon you can get them for the 4 slash 4S the 5s the 60s the 7s um, and they start uh, on Amazon uh, you can buy one for a 4 series for about £10 Are you naked Jeff?
0: Yes, it's a really good thing this isn't a video show.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, wait, that's not what you meant. Oh, N- you no, no, I, I am not. Um, when I got my iPhone X, I opened up the package and, uh, and pulled it out and was like, holy crap. And I gently set the phone back in the box, closed the lid, went to the store and bought a case for it, put the case on, and then set it up. Because it's, I mean, it feels wonderful in your hand naked, but I was, I just had this this visceral thing ran through me. Where if this is in my hand without a case, it's destroyed. Period.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. My 6s was the first phone that I thought, you know what? I'm gonna live the dream. I'm gonna go naked. And I think it was about a few days later where it was that lovely hmm, iPhone hits the floor. And you know when you're not sure what sound it's made, and you pause before you pick it up, and it's screen side down, and you that's a bad sign. And you pick it up really slowly because you don't don't want to turn it over. Thankfully, the old girl was all right, but I need to get the battery replaced, which is why I think I'm having so many serious issues. I commend Apple for the battery life. I just need to get my ass into an Apple store, but oh, I can't bear going to an Apple store. Nope, this is not the place to rage. <laughs> <This> <laughs> all is not... right. uh, what else we got on our worth for chip? Ant and from uh, again. Yeah, uh, one from
2: Dougie the... here is the hands-on uh Keymand 1.1 which uh brings touch screen options to your Mac from a connected iPad. uh well it's it's what you think really it it brings uh, a whole load of touch commands you can connect your uh, iPad to your Mac and uh, have a whole load of sort of touch bar type features on the on the iPad um,
0: yeah it's like a big screen full of buttons yeah, right
2: yeah. Um, with all sorts of, uh, uh, yeah, not something that interests me, but uh, you know, Dougie's recommended it. It looks very nice, um, very clever. And finally, this is a, this is one of my choices, and I blatantly admit I I stole it from Brian. I stole it from Brian. So uh, Jeff will know what this is. This is the pop up greetings cards for all occasions from lovepop.com. dot um, com.
0: It's those just amazing.
2: It's actually sorry, lovepopcards.com. And these are, uh, as Jeff knows, these are uh, pop-up cards with fantastic paper engineering. So uh, they have things like the money tree is one of my favourites. It's uh, As you open the card, there's a tree with, with uh, banknotes dangling from the branches. Uh, but they do all sorts, don't they? There's, there's teddy bears and cameras and like uh, one of them's a roast turkey dinner they're absolutely unbelievable um they're not and and instead
0: of doing the thing like like you have in uh uh little kids pop-up books where it's a cutout and and then whatever it is is printed on the cutout this this looks like they're using laser cutting to make really intricate shapes that come together so you get this this beautiful 3d pop-up
2: yeah they're,
0: they're awesome
2: i mean there's one here um i'm looking at which is the paris love scene pop-up card uh, and obviously as you can imagine as you open it up pops uh you know there's a couple dining at a table outside there's flowers there's the eiffel tower it's an amazing amazing piece of
0: work they're not yeah. cheap one of my favorites is the japanese maple tree oh yeah where where they have leaves that are on the ground yeah. as well as on the tree.
2: It's absolutely, they are just stunning. They are unbelievably great. And they're, they're not the cheapest things in the world. But, you know, if you're going to buy one for somebody for a gift, I mean, they range from about 10 to about $15, I think mm mm-hmm. Um, and you can get packs as well. They do collection packs for the sort of eighty to a hundred dollars. You get five or however many. Uh, but they are absolutely amazing, fabulous. So thank you, Brian. I've blatantly ripped you ripped you off there. But they. Were... I'd like to
0: think of it as you were inspired by his love for these pop up cards.
2: Well, I I've as he mentioned them on uh you know on the context machine. I went and looked at them and I thought, no, those are so fabulous. I'm going to. I'm going to repeat his recommendation on our show because that is just they're just amazing fabulous 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 work awesome
1: and you know what i think on that note we can call this a show so jeff this is the spot where you can have the limelight and just shill everything in anything you do uh, that you're doing podcasting videoing writing this is your spot go for it good sir
0: well how about if i start by shilling you guys because you're you're awesome this has been so much fun so thank you for having me me on I've, I've really enjoyed it. Also,
1: awesome. Well, that, I mean, that's what we try and do. It's I, I, I used to go for a phase of like researching questions and, you know, trying to think of things to ask. And I've, it's not that I've been lapsed days ago. I just I'm just more inspired by the chat and seeing where it takes you. A lot, a lot like what you said about your podcast, just having that chat and see, seeing how it organically grows and where the journey takes you. So thank you very much. That means a lot coming from you, Jeff.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you for having me yeah. on. So, all right. Where can people find me? Mac Observer? com we've we 've already established that, so uh, head over there not not just to see what i 'm writing but to see what everyone else is doing because there 's so many talented people i 'm so i 'm so lucky to work with these people and then on twitter i 'm jay Gamut and same thing on instagram and i i 'm always on the hunt for interesting things to to post on Instagram because you know, hey, we have a camera in our pocket all the time. And uh, uh, wow, so many podcasts, um, daily observations during uh, on weekdays. And then on Wednesdays, there's Apple Context Machine with Brian. Then on the weekends, I do the iOS show with Michael Johnston and Adam Christensen. And I'm on the the big show a lot. So that's on, is that Fridays or Thursdays now? Uh,
2: well, it varies. But yeah, the British Tech Network, sometimes Thursdays, sometimes Fridays. Uh, do you do the Mac show as well, occasionally or not?
0: Occasionally. The the timing for that one's hard for me, but uh, yeah, occasionally I do the Mac show. Yep. So anyhow, I, I'm around, I, I'm easy to find, and uh, and I've had so much fun today.
2: And don't forget the Fresh Brewed Tales.
0: <sighs> Fresh Brewed Tales. I, I, I've been kind of lax with that lately because my schedule has been so busy. But I have a couple stories that I need to put together and uh, and put those up so for people that don't know what that is when i see people do stupid things or weird things in coffee shops i document it and oh, i do it please. on freshbrewtales.com
1: fresh uh right that is going straight i love that i love that
2: idea fresh brewed. fresh Brew Tales, is it fresh dot com.
0: and if uh if i can get a photograph because people are in their own little world. They don't realize I'm snapping photographs. Um, then I do. If I can't get a photograph, then I draw the scene so that you can see what it looked like.
1: Oh, this is being bookmarked. <laughs> this is Definitely being, oh, it's... Uh... <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Thank you for sharing that, Jeff. And also, again, thank you ever so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. And you're welcome anytime to give up a Sunday morning and come and join us to talk about nonsense.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, it's been loads of fun. So thank you again for having me on.
1: Brilliant. You can also find Simon and myself over at essentialapple.com. You can get in contact with the show via the Twitter at essentialapple, especially if you want to come and join us in our chat room. Don't forget on the website if you do shop at Amazon. We do have an affiliate link where if you click on that, we get a very, very little bit and it all goes back into hosting and websites and all that sort of shenanigans to keep this so-called show on the road. Simon, if they want to get a hold of you, good sir, how can they do that?
2: Uh, well, you can find me... Uh, Best place to get me is on the Twitter, and I am at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K.
1: And once again, a very special thank you to our guest, Jeff, from Mac Observer. I couldn't remember your last name then for some unbeknownst reason. I do apologize. (laughs) And we will be back next week, (laughs) and yes, we will see you then. Cheerio, everyone. Bye. You can say bye now, Jeff.
0: Oh, bye. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm so used to uh, to when people do their their own shows and they get to the end and and they they give their wrap up that uh it's their show so they always get the last word so you oh, said bye no. and i was and i was staying quiet so that you'd have your your dead space for editing out at the end
1: oh no 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 we're none of us the guest gets the last word because they've been giving up their time to come on our show so we start with the guest we end with the guest and anything else in between is just luck
0: just filler
2: <laughs>
1: yeah pretty much <laughs>
2: We are part of the MyMac.com podcasting network, where you can find such excellent shows as Guy and Gaz on the MyMac show, Tim and David on the Tech Fan Show, The Three Geeky Ladies, The Geekiest Show Ever, uh, the excellent Bart Bouchotts with his Let's Talk, the Club Nintendo, and many, many more. Oh, so it is never late, Fred Beggins. was he only. He arrives precisely when he means to, and usually listening to the Tech Fan Podcast with Tim Robertson and David
3: Cohen.
1: Uh, I've got a same rod here that I cannot get to
2: work. It just will not, uh... What? You mean, it, it won't do this? I just do that to annoy him, Jeff.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs>
2: Has been the Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.